Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I'm your host Ben Kreider and today I'm going to be talking about the Thunder training camp roster and what we have heard from the team so far. As you guys know, Media Day kicked off on Monday. Right now it is Thursday. So there was Media Day and then now we're on day three of training camp. I'm going to be honing in on what we heard from day one because we got pretty much everybody from the Thunder roster in for media press conferences. There was a live show with Paris Lawson and Nick Gallo, and then there was the media conferences on Zoom. And I'm kind of going to be doing a little bit of a blend of both when we talk about that. But first, I want to talk about the actual training camp roster because there have been some changes since I last talked to you guys. It's been about a week. I've been trying to figure out my schedule, guys. It's kind of been hectic. Uh, Last year, if you didn't know, whenever I was doing just daily, 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 I really didn't have much of a schedule. But now, I actually have to go to places in order to, like, do schoolwork and things like that. Never had to worry about it before. It was just like, hey, 10 in the morning, don't have anything to do right now, let me do a podcast. It's not like that anymore, but I'm still trying to figure things out. Once the regular season starts, I'll have a schedule blocked out, because I know right now it could be a little bit difficult to keep track of things, and I really haven't said much on the matter, so that's on me. But anyways, I'm gonna try to get more consistent. Anyways, though, because of that little gap, there have been some stories that have dropped And I have not covered it. I've covered it on my website, BricktownBeat.com. You guys can check that out. But I haven't done anything on the pod thus far. And there were some acquisitions. Really, there were three, four separate moves if you want to cut it this way. But first one came with Charlie Brown Jr. and Mamadi Diakite. And Charlie Brown Jr., as we all know, I mean, he got picked up on two 10-day contracts at the tail end of last season. We got a little bit of, I think, Jer- no, Justin Robinson. That's who it was. And then he finished. Charlie Brown Jr. got his 20 days. And then they actually added him on a two-year deal. Really played one game against the Clippers, and then that was the one year. And then that second year was just fully non-guaranteed. But He got waived by the team as they announced last week, and he only played nine games, which is kind of crazy because it seemed like his stay was almost like half of the season. Like, I remember the few weeks we had the pleasure of watching Charlie Brown Jr. That's about all I talked about um, because, you know, his play was a little bit unique. And then the signing, of course, at the end of the year might have caught some people off guard. But he had nine games. That one start, I believe, was against the Pacers uh, when they got really just rolled over. That was the one where the Pacers, uh, I think, broke their franchise record in scoring. But he didn't have great averages. He averaged 4.4 points, 1.9 rebounds, and one assist, and a 16.9 minute span and then he also played with the Thunder Summer League unit and he really didn't play as much as I would have thought thinking you know hey he might be on the 15-man roster for this upcoming season you probably want to keep him in a starting role they played him 19.7 minutes and the stat line was almost identical 4.4 points 4.4 rebounds and 0.8 assists in Las Vegas He looked impressive on the defensive side of things, but offensively, he was kind of just forcing shots. A lot of baseline, like, spin jumpers when there was just no room whatsoever. He didn't really seem like he was ever comfortable. And I think last year, even though he didn't have the greatest of performances, you might be able to check it off and give him a couple excuses. 
because the team was just constantly shifting. He kind of got thrusted in, um, you know, in the back end of the season. So a lot of wild things can happen. Maybe he just never settled. Vegas, though, you had time. There were open runs we saw at Texas's campus about a month before the summer league started. So there was opportunities, um, but he just wasn't dominant enough to, you know, to the point where I think they would have actually kept him on. And as we found out with Gabrielle Deck returning, that put them up to that 15 player limit. And Charlie Brown Jr., you, you know, if he was going to be back, it'd be on a one year deal. They just didn't have the room. So they decided to waive him. However, with that deal, they actually brought in somebody, which is kind of weird because of the nature of things because that is a one-year deal they actually brought in a guy who is on a current deal this isn't a training camp 250k deal like what we saw with franklin jackson last season they have a guy with two years left on his contract non-guaranteed on that third year but the current year he's in right now is partially guaranteed and it came off of a waiver claim and this is kind of rare you don't see waiver claims much outside of like fantasy basketball or fantasy football especially not nba because the way it works is you wave somebody i think there's about a 48 hour period where if someone claims you off the waivers they absorb that contract and the team that waived the guy they don't have to pay anything and the milwaukee bucks decided to uh they decided to waive mamadi diakite and they only were out a hundred thousand dollars It's partially guaranteed they picked him up kind of similar to charlie brown jr where diakite was really good in the g league they had him on for a little bit upgraded his contract and that was about it but they only had him partially guaranteed for 100k turned into a 500k guarantee by december but they just cut ties to save that little ounce of money i think they got someone uh, out of the free agency pool with that but the Oklahoma City Thunder, they used that claim to pick him up. And I believe the claim system in the NBA, it's not used a lot. So that's why I'm not 100% clear on it. But I think it's based off of overall record. And I, I'd assume that it would be based off of what we saw last year. That puts them like in the top five of claims. So maybe they believed someone else was interested in Diakite. So they decided to throw out that claim. But they made it on Sunday. They got him officially. And that pushes them up to 18 spots at that current point of time. And with Diakite, I'll probably have a full rundown on him uh, because of his history. It's actually really crazy what it's been like. But he played at Virginia for a full palette of four years, got undrafted in the last draft, but he was a monster in the G League. He got a two-way contract from the Bucks. They didn't have their G League affiliate Wisconsin Herd in Orlando. So he got moved over to the Lakeland Magic. And for the Magic, he was an absolute monster. Averaged 18.5 points, 10.4 rebounds, 2.1 blocks, and he played 12 games. So it wasn't like a fluke where he just had a couple good ones. He was consistent throughout and he got the Lakeland Magic the championship during the G League season. So after that, went back to the NBA ranks with the Milwaukee Bucks, played 14 games for them, averaging 3.1 points, 2.4 rebounds, and 0.6 assists. And then he got his contract upgraded, of course. But also, he has some new hardware. Not only did he get the G League championship, he got the NBA championship. And if you want to check his Virginia days, he won a college championship. And from what I know, I actually think he's the only guy 
in history right now to have all three of those accolades, I know for sure for a rookie, I don't think anyone else is going to do that again. Being a G League champion, an NBA champion, and a college champion at what, 24 years old? Kind of unheard of. Uh, I'll have to double check on that uh, little tidbit there. Maybe it could be a fun fact in, um, in a little while, a couple years, you could throw that out there. You could throw it out there now, but yeah. He has had a crazy time in the NBA thus far, and now he is headed to Bricktown. He's a six foot nine center who really fits that mold of what OKC has been looking for when it comes to small ball fives. And that's just kind of it. They don't really like having those true seven footers, the seven one guys who are just there to rebound, set screens, and feast in the post. You know, they want to get guys who can stretch the floor out a little bit, guys who can cause some confusion with some high ball screens, and people who can make some energy plays on defense, not just at the center position, but really everywhere, hopefully two through five. Now, Diakite, he's not going to do that. He's really played center um, throughout his career. He slid down to the four, but he's not like an Isaiah Roby where you're going to spot him up at the small forward and you're going to be happy with it. I mean, he has been prone to take some threes, Diakite. It's not going in at a rate where I would put him in the same category as a Roby right now or Jeremiah Robinson Earl, but you get another guy who is going to give some source of energy. And I think that's what the Thunder have been looking for when it comes to front court figures. And he definitely provides that. He's a very good shot blocker. The thing is, he didn't have a lot of reps with the Milwaukee Bucks. He just played at the G League level. And as we know, G League basketball is way different than the NBA level. You see a lot more centers just dominating in the G League. Look at Takari Johnson. Look at Moses Brown. He did very well um, with the Thunder, though, to close things out. But, you know, it's a lot more of just like brute strength. And that's great. But once you move up to that NBA level, Every single four, every single five, they're going to be extremely strong. So you have to find other ways to kind of slide in there and impress. Moses Brown did that with his energy. He was jumping all over the place to snag some of those offensive rebounds. A guy like Dakari Johnson, he didn't have that athleticism. You know, he could just body you inside, but it didn't work out with the Thunder. And right now, I think he's still playing in China. So Daikite, I wouldn't compare him to Dakari. I would compare him to... One of those small ball fives who might be better fit at the four, but it just gives Dagnall and company another shot to find some gold. And if he's going to stay on this roster, which it's not really a really heavily guaranteed deal. So even if they drop him, it's not that bad for the Thunder. His season contract for this year would be 1.5 mil. And then next season, it'd be 1.7 mil. Like I said, though, that 1.7 mil is non-guaranteed. The 1.5 mil that I talked about is 100k guaranteed right now, turns to 500k on December 15th, and then after that, it's going to be fully guaranteed. So this could actually be compared to a Frank Jackson contract um, if you'd like to go that route. But anyways, that move didn't really swing the roster one way or the other. It was kind of just like a swap, if you want to put it that way, but they needed two more guys, and they ended up doing that on the same day, actually, maybe, no, they did it on media day, but it was one of those deals where people kind of knew what was going on, and the two guys that got added to fill things out were Rob Edwards and DJ Wilson, and I'll tell you what, this Rob Edwards signing, I 
I knew it. I knew it. I was going to report about this signing. However, if I don't have a confirmation from someone credible, I'm not going to go out and say it. Because even if I'm 99% sure of something, there's that 1% that could be wrong. And if it's that 1%, I look like a fool and the credibility is gone. So I didn't post anything, but Rob Edwards has been in OKC for like the last week or so. There was some buzz that he was actually signing overseas. Like you could go on... Um, on some of these pro club websites and it would list Rob Edwards on those rosters. It's not true. I actually got confirmation on that. I did not get confirmation he was on this team. Found out about that on Monday though. Same goes for DJ Wilson and that gets you up to that 20 mark. They are set in stone with this team and I'll just give you the basic rundown. We all know Rob Edwards. He's turned into a fan favorite. If you guys watched with the OKC Blue, you loved him. If you watched Vegas games, you loved him. He will have some sort of cult following, I believe, during the preseason because his style of offense is just so fun to watch. He can play in isolation. He can play on the ball, off the ball, three-level scoring. He's got it down, 24 years old. Is there a lot of potential with him? I think so. I think he would be worthy of a chance somewhere. Uh, we got him on what I would assume is an Exhibit 10, though. Um, but yeah, I think there's a really, really strong shot that he could find himself in that final tier of who's staying around, who's not, because he was really, really impressive for a whole entire season. He was a second round pick in the G League draft, and I think that was the last pick the Blue had. They didn't have a third round selection, so they took him, and he just blossomed as a player. He played all 15 games for the Blue, posted averages of 12.5 points, 3.4 rebounds and 1.5 assists, and he shot 44% from downtown. This is a guy who will put up points out of nowhere. You want to have a bench spark plug, you're going to need a guy like Rob Edwards. And the interesting thing about this, and I wasn't ever able to really ask any questions, but, you know, this Thunder rotation is just filled with guards right now, and... He wanted to join this training camp roster. I believe he could have joined another training camp that had less guards on the actual 15-man roster. You look at what the Blue have now. Their two guys on two ways are both shooting guard, small forward combos. And Aaron Wiggins and um, Paul Watson Jr. made me think for a second. But yeah, like it's going to be an uphill battle for Rob Edwards. But that's exactly how it was last season. And I think he will be impressive when it comes to shooting the basketball because he is an elite level scorer. Definitely think he'd fit into the NBA ranks there. Could there be some inconsistencies in his scoring? Of course, we've seen it throughout his career while he's been with the Blue and the Thunder. But I'm still really optimistic and I hope he gets some reps in preseason play because I love his style. The other guy that the Thunder brought on is none other then Michigan alum DJ Wilson and DJ Wilson I mean I haven't really been following his career but I can tell you a lot about his final season with the Wolverines doesn't make me too happy this was when the Cowboys made March Madness which doesn't happen all the time uh, they were I think the 10th seed and Michigan was the 7th seed this was a down to the wire first round matchup and Michigan ended up winning this game I was fuming and DJ Wilson, he kind of took over in this game. You know, they had Mo Wagner here. I'm looking at the stat sheet, but DJ Wilson was the main guy. It was DJ Wilson and Derek Walton. Derek Walton's had some stints with Miami. I don't think he's still in the league. 
Um, but DJ Wilson, he's been hanging around. DJ put up 19 points in this game, and they won 92 to 91. So I kind of had had something against DJ Wilson. However, I like his play style, and I think it kind of does work for the Thunder. This is just a pure-blooded stretch four, stretch five, and you can always have those. Any NBA team would love to have a stretch five. The Thunder and how they play on those pick and pops, I think DJ Wilson slides in quite nicely, actually. So you look at him, I mean, his overall um, career in the NBA has not been that crazy. He got selected 17th in the 2017 draft class. That was four picks ahead of Terrence Ferguson, by the way. But with the Bucks, he didn't really have a ton of reps. He was kind of just bouncing between the G League and the NBA, never got that footing to where he could elevate his play. So he's been around since 2017, but he's only played 142 NBA games to this point. And he did a lot of those games for the Bucks. but last season, there was a mid-season trade that sent him to the Houston Rockets. I believe this was the P.J. Tucker deal, but he got moved to Houston and he played 23 games for them. Had his best career year, I guess you could call it. I mean, that 23-game stint was the best portion of it. He posted averages of 6.2 points and 3.8 rebounds. The big thing, though, is how he does from three, and he shot 34% from distance on 2.6 tries a night, and that's going to be his job. If he's making it to the Thunder's legitimate roster, you're putting him in to source some three-point shooting. You need to be able to space the floor out for not just SGA, also got to do it for Teo, got to do it for Ty, Trey Mann, maybe even Josh Giddy. This is the offense they're structuring things around, and I understand the pickup with DJ here. DJ's 25, so if you want to compare him to everyone else, he's probably a little older when it comes to how long he's been in the league. Also, a little bit more seasoned in that category. Um, so maybe he could help out some of the other front court figures, but he comes in not like a Jeremiah Robinson Earl or a Daikite, for example. He's 6'10", so he's a little bit taller than Daikite, but he's been kind of used to the center spot. He has a 7'3 wingspan, which does help him out when it comes to playing some defense. He's a little bit more on the lean side of things, so he could bulk up, of course. Uh, I'm just excited to see how he does shooting the basketball. So if you want to give the full breakdown, point guards, you have SGA, Teo, Ty, Trey Mann, and Vit Kredge. Shooting guard, there is Josh Giddy, Kenrich Williams, Rob Edwards, Paul Watson Jr., and Aaron Wiggins. At small forward, there's Lou Dort, Gabrielle Deck, and Isaiah Roby. Power forward has Alexei Pokushevsky, Darius Baisley, DJ Wilson, and Jeremiah Robinson Earl. And then at the center spot, you have Derek Favors, Mike Muscala, and Mamadi Diakite. So that gets you up to that 20-man roster, and that's going to bring us to the day one interviews from Media Day. But before I get into that, I want to let you guys know a little bit about what's going on with my friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. Week three of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week four with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action pack week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up because you do not want to miss out on this. Here is what you have to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code 
TBPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. But guys, moving on into media day. This was a big one because there were a lot of new faces coming in and a lot of the players were able to talk to the media. In all, there were only three guys who were not speaking with the media. It was DJ Wilson, Rob Edwards, and Mabadi Diakite. I'm assuming they're going to have some media availability as the days kind of move on, but they were not there for media availability, but they were there to get their pictures taken. So you can find those images online. Really all of them should be out there. There's some really cool pictures that came out of that and also some really cool interview answers. So I'm going to be just running down the line of everyone who spoke in order. So if you want to hear about SGA first, you're going to have to wait a little bit, not that long, but this is just kind of going in order of how the day progressed. And it kicked off with head coach Mark Dagnalt. Obviously, his rookie season, he went 22-50 and 50 with the Thunder. And the big thing that he wanted to talk about was just how young this franchise was and, you know, what they are expecting to do heading into next season. So his quote, he said, We have a blank canvas staring us in the face. Everything is unwritten. It's important to understand your history and past before you tackle the present. So he's pretty much saying here, I mean, there's not a ton to be building on. A lot of what you saw the last couple years when it came to Russell and KD, it's not here anymore. Chris Paul's gone. You have SGA. You have a lot of young assets and they're ready to go just as they were last season. And that's given me a lot of hope because I love seeing the progression of these guys. The Thunder last season, they had an average age of 23.4. Going into this media day and training camp, they have an average age of 24.4. And if you want to take out some of the guys that they picked up, like Rob Edwards, DJ Wilson, Paul Watson Jr., you can actually get that number to drop down just a little bit, but I didn't want to be too nitpicky. They are extremely young, though, and they brought on four rookies. You still have to think about SGA on the roster, so they're going to be geared up yet again. And one of the things that comes with all the young guys and everyone being geared up is there's going to be some serious ups and downs kind of going on. And we saw a lot of that last year. There weren't many mainstays where you expected the same stat line every night. Maybe SGA, Kenrich Williams was always there. But think of guys like Baisley, maybe Maladone, Pokusevsky is a great example. Just like going 7 of 12 one night and then just kind of dropping down. And there's so many young pieces that that's kind of part of the plan here. And Mark Dagnall, he kind of understands that. He said there is no shortcut, it is not going to be easy, and we don't want it to be easy. I think we're layered with a lot of young talent. Because of the age of most of our players, our team is going to be better at the end of the year than the start. And that's how it was last season. We saw Poku and even Maladone break out of their shells later. 
Poku had that just amazing season finale against the Clippers, and you know, as much as we loved it, they did win that game, might have hurt their lottery odds, but he showed a lot of flashes, a lot of those crazy dunks from him, those step back threes, Maladone looked really refined by the end of the season, and even guys like Ty Jerome, who they might be a little bit older, but they came in with not much of a resume. They ended the season, or he did, looking like a straight-up marksman. So there's going to be a lot of development here, and I think the minutes are going to be scattered out pretty well. They did that last year. You know, there were a lot of injuries that came into play. I think even if there's not injuries, they'll be looking at all 15 of the active guys night in and night out. And that's great because he mentioned that there are a lot of versatile players here, specifically when it comes to ball handling. He said, we want versatile players that can do a lot of things out there. Having multiple versatile ball handlers is not a weakness. That's a strength. And you can go down the line of everybody, really all the guards like SGA, Trey Mann, Teo Ty, hell, even Vit. You want to put him as a point guard? This man's six foot eight. He's a point guard. You have Josh Giddy, who's been playing at point guard. You know, you can work up to guys like Poku, Baisley, if you want to go there. Roby's kind of been pretty nice when it comes to handling. And honestly, I probably missed a couple just because of how many great guys there are at handling and distributing the basketball. Really one through five. And they're so young. If you're able to really just keep them growing, if you have a true center, you know, think of like a Jokic almost. Like if you put Jokic with this lineup... I mean, that's not a fair comparison, obviously, but just think of a playmaker who actually has the size of a center. Poku, he might be the one in development. We saw that he was actually listed as a center for the training camp rosters. Put him at like a 250-pound, 260-pound body. That's special, and you can just have lineups filled with just strictly playmakers, and that would be just streetball. I don't even know what it'd be. It'd sell tickets, though, uh, for sure, but... After Mark, you had to get your best playmaker out there, and that was Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And we didn't see the full season from him. I thought he was worthy of most improved player. He only got one vote. Maybe it's because he didn't play enough. Maybe it's because, I guess that'd be the only reason. I can't think of any other reason. But he was an absolute monster. That plantar fasciitis injury, though, took him out in March. Took him out of Olympic play. But he said he feels at 150% now and since midsummer he's actually felt that way too and one of the big things from the summer even though we didn't get to see him play he signed a five-year 173 million dollar max extension with the franchise and it could actually inflate to 203 mil if he gets on a first team or just any sort of those like all nba lists i don't know if it's going to happen but you know the way i look at it dude could have been on one last year definitely should have been an all-star last year didn't get that nod though even with the major money heading his way he seems pretty humble about it and i might do a full piece story on this but it seems like not just him but his teammates love talking about how humble sga is as not just a player but a person he said the job is not done the work is not done i take it a day at a time try to get better every single day and whatever area you want to that's had success in my career so far. And yeah, I think we all know that. I mean, he averaged 23.9 points last season, 4.7 rebounds, 
5.9 assists, and he led the NBA in drives. He had 25 points something. Second place was Luka at 20. He was just the straight-up aficionado on the Thunder's roster last year, and it's going to continue. He has a lot of expectations coming into this season, and he said he's really just prepped for all of them. He said he's looking forward to getting better at everything. He doesn't have an exact area, but he feels like he's going to be better this season. He said he feels both faster and stronger, um, but weight-wise, did not say he gained anything. I think last year he clocked in at about 180, maybe 185, so he hasn't broken that 200-pound weight class, but does it really matter? I'm not sure it does. That guy was just getting anywhere he wanted to last season on a team where, you know, maybe he could have been doubled and tripled. He was, uh, and there were not a ton of repercussions. So yeah, I mean, if there's a lot of just widespread improvement, you're going to see a lot more from SGA. There's going to be a lot of improvement though, regardless when it comes to him. One of the young stars of this league. After SGA, we had another mainstay in Mike Muscala on the mic. His postseason, or I guess um, end-of-season presser, was really emotional. That's the one where he almost broke into tears just talking about the city, said he wanted to come back, didn't know if he would, uh, but the Thunder did extend an offer. It was a two-year, $7 million contract to him, which is pretty solid given that he is a really good stretch four. And I don't know if he would have made more elsewhere. Definitely probably had some better teams lined up to make a deal, but he chose Oklahoma City and he was still kind of ringing that bell of, you know, why he loves the city so much. But outside of that part, I mean, when it comes to his play, he just said he didn't really have any expectations, says whatever Mark wants him to do, he's going to do it. He said he wants to be a leader on the team though. And with that, it's not about playing 20, 30 minutes a game. It's about being just that positive influence in the locker room, elevating everyone around you. And that's what Mike did last year. That's the same mentality he's bringing in this season. Said that there's a lot of youngsters looking to prove themselves this year. And he hopes to comfort them, challenge them, and just push them through the regular season. And even for guys returning, you know, if they're sophomores like Teo or Alexei Pogoshevsky, they had a 72-game season. They were missing some games, playing in the G League in Poku's case. It's an 82-game season this year. So if they didn't kind of hit that uh, rookie wall, it could still hit again this year. And that goes for a lot of guys on this team just because they haven't had, you know, that full-on like four or five-year career to this point. Um, they're still kind of working into it. Mike's been around, so I think he could really bolster them up and so could Derek Favors and that's the guy who went right after Mike Muscala Favors his story you know he wasn't really expected to be in Oklahoma City but that post draft deal OKC got a first round pick and Favors for a second rounder in cash considerations Favors is not on a crazy contract it's like 2 years 20 mil so getting a first was wild wild value and Favors you know he's a very good veteran piece for this team. He's 30, just like Muscala. I think Muscala edges him by a couple months when it comes to who's the oldest on the team. But, you know, he's been around probably longer than Muscala in the NBA. And he has a lot um, that he could teach some of the younger guys. But initially, he didn't think he'd be there. He thought he'd be in Utah. When he heard the news, he was in Vegas. And this is a direct quote from him. He said, I was actually in Vegas when I heard the news. I think it was at like 11, 12 at night. 
I was out in Vegas just having fun, and my agent gave me a call and said, you've just been involved in a trade. And I was like, oh, wow. I guess that's when the news broke that I got traded to Oklahoma City, and I was just like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to Oklahoma City. So there was that just expression of shock with favors, you know, kind of just like not not wanting to be in Oklahoma City, but maybe just kind of questioning it. Um, But now... He said after speaking with Presty, speaking with Mark, he's ready and geared up to be on this team. And he talked about the veteran leadership just like Muscala had been. He also mentioned other vets who aren't on the team anymore. Guys like Chris Paul, Al Horford, people who are just thrown in under that rehab label. And I don't know if Favors really is a rehab project. Like he's not bad. His contract isn't absolutely garbage. Um, But... You know, just those situations where the value gets recuperated and then they get dealt somewhere. And maybe that's what Favors, you know, wants to be on. Just, um, you know, get in, get out, develop some of the young guys and then be off contending. If that's the case, I think Presty and Mark are all about it. They were with everybody else to this point. So I don't think it'd be any different. Favors talked about the business side. That's also why I kind of think of that. Um, but yeah, like Favors, he's a really valuable uh, front court guy, whether it's at power forward or center. He can start for the Thunder right now. And would it give you the best long-term value? No, but he's capable of it. If not, he can be a very sturdy backup. And I think he could be a good backup uh, for a playoff contending team by the end of the season. So we'll see what happens with him. When it comes to Lou Dort, we know that he is going to be staying in Oklahoma City, barring something crazy, and I don't even want to know what a trade involving Dort looks like. Um, But when it comes to Lou, I mean, it's just been constant progression. We saw him in his rookie season diving for loose balls against the Timberwolves, big game seven against the Rockets. Last year, turned into a legit shooter, and now looks like he's a multi-sport athlete. He said he lost a couple of pounds during the summer, and he said he did a lot of boxing, doing some jujitsu, track, and playing some soccer and tennis. So what? That's like five different types of other sports he's been working on. You put him in the MMA, like you could give him a solid shot. I don't know what weight class he'd be. If he's a like 220, what he, he might be heavyweight, light heavyweight or heavyweight, depending on how much he's lost here. Yeah, it could pose a real challenge. Like when it comes to other players of his stature uh, in the NBA, I'm picking Lou Dort. Like he is just an absolute beast. You know, that's one of the things. That's why you call the torture chamber the torture chamber because he just punishes his opponents on defense. So he said his speed and lateral quickness got better as a result of all the sports he's been doing. Uh, but that weight did go down so it's kind of just like a exchange of some sorts I think he was fast enough laterally last season but you know you could always get a little bit better there I don't think he would just completely destroy his upper body strength to be a little bit faster in the 40 yard dash so I think you're going to get a good blend and just overall improvement on the defensive side he was a top 10 defender last year and you look at some betting sites he's not in there for defensive player of the year he's like outside the top 20 so if he was on a legit team he would be a lot higher on that list just think of it though like he's gonna be one of the top guys 
at the shooting guard or small forward position. And if you got the LeBrons or Giannis's in front of you, Lou Dort will probably be that guy. And seems like he's pretty damn confident, not just defensively, but also everywhere else. The three-point shot, as I mentioned before, he was shooting 34% last season on 6.3 attempts a game. That was like a team high. And there wasn't any of those moments where he second-guessed himself. Even if he was just shanking three after three, he still wanted to pop it. And he just puts a lot of that into all the opportunities he's been given up to this point. So the quote he gave was, I had the opportunity offensively last year. This year, I'm going to stick to the same stuff. I'm just so excited to get back into it. He averaged, I think, 14 points last year. Had some nights where he was out of the rotation due to injuries and such. So we're going to get the same thing from him. Just a lot of energy, a lot of defense. And if he makes any more strides offensively, I'm going to be losing my mind. Because it wasn't just the three. That's kind of what was mainly focused on during the presser. But you got to remember, like, he wasn't supposed to be the finisher he was by the end of the season. Like, he'd get it from the corner. If someone was sagging, he'd pop it. People were closing out. He'd actually get by and um, just, like, get in front of them, drive in hard at the basket, and actually absorb some contact. So I'm pumped. I think his game is kind of underlooked, even though people do like him so much. Uh, He's going to be impressing people just like everybody else on the roster and one guy who could be impressive is Darius Baisley didn't have the greatest sophomore campaign you know whenever he was playing against the Rockets just in the bubble he was beasting like he was a legit shooter he was slashing inside passing out dunking on people not a lot I mean there were some moments last season where he was doing it but there was just some inconsistencies uh however you know, he has been working. And this isn't just one of those quotes where he can say, oh, I feel a lot better here or there. Just look at him. He is so much bigger. And this was something the reporters were pointing out to him during the press conference. And he uh, he's pretty happy to hear that. He said, I took like two weeks off after the season ended and then got straight to it. Me and my strength coaches got straight to it. I'm glad you noticed. Makes me feel good. I don't know the exact number I put on. I just know I was working and we're not going to get a legit number probably until a little bit later, but this isn't just the same scrawny guy we've seen for the last two seasons. Is he still lean? Yeah, he's still lean, but he's a lot more toned up. And hopefully that means when it comes to the interior, both offensively and defensively, he's going to be able to take some hits. And he said he's a lot more comfortable. He knows what to expect. And he knows what this season is going to look like. The offseason for him was about looking out for a lot of things, improving in all areas. He didn't add one area more than others, he said. It was just a lot of learning uh, over those couple of months. One thing he did want to stress on, though, was on defense, he wants to play those big matchups. And he actually did get a lot of those big names last year. Whenever the Lakers came to town, Darius Baisley got matched up on him. Sometimes for the Bucks, he had reps against Giannis. Like he was not someone who'd hide in the background. Like Lou Dort was the primary person. He'd switch from like two to four all the time. But 
you'd still have Bays out there needing to defend people. I think the biggest one was whenever the Nets had to play because you had James Harden, you had Kyrie, Kevin Durant was there, and KD, he was going toe-to-toe with Baisley the entire night. There wasn't a lot of switching uh, in those games, and KD might have gotten the better of him, but with a guy like Baisley saying he wants to have matchups like that, that's pretty damn encouraging for him. So, you know, people didn't love the year we saw last season, um, but with everything he's saying here, it seems like he's looking to reach that potential. So I'm pumped with him. Kenrich Williams, there's not a lot of potential with him. You kind of know what you have, and what you have is an all-around monster of a basketball player. He can do it all, versatile, offense, defense, he can just hide. He's kind of that like perfect glue guy. And you could always use players like that. All 30 NBA teams need glue guys who aren't about having the spotlight all the time. And Kenrich Williams is not that. And you can just see that in how he answered his presser interviews. There was like no content on him actually talking about himself. He spent his presser talking about the other guys on the roster, which I think tells a lot about him as a person. He talks about SGA. He said he was locked in since day one of training camp from last season. And he said it's just like that in year number two. He said he didn't personally know he was that good um, last training camp, but he said that he is one of the best young players in the NBA and that he has a bright future. And then just talking about the team in general, improvement was the big thing. He said, if everyone improves, the group has done something right. So nothing about playoff chatter, nothing about the overall record. It's just about individual improvement. And then that turns into team improvement. And it looks like, you know, that's the mentality they have here. It's not about playing for this season. It's about getting everything right, making sure everyone's better. And then hell, Maybe you can start looking down the road in a couple seasons to actual playoff competition, play-in competition, but it's just about making sure everybody is going through the motions uh, and just learning for the regular season, which is awesome. Ty Jerome, he learned a lot last year for the Thunder because of starting out with the blue, kind of got thrusted back with the Thunder, and his debut and just first couple games were perfect, like it didn't even seem like he was in the G League. Didn't seem like he was not playing for the Thunder the entire season. He was just a perfect, perfect fill-in at the guard spots. Um, but to talk about his media day, just like Williams, he talked about other guys first. And he talked about Mamadi Daikite, and that's to be expected. Mamadi and Ty played at Virginia for a season, actually a couple seasons, I believe. And he said that right after the news came out, Mobbity called him right away. And he said, as a player, he's going to bring a lot of energy and that he's just a great overall teammate. When it comes to himself, he's excited about opening the year because he did have that ankle sprain uh, that took him out from training camp, took him out from preseason, and then made him start out in the Orlando bubble doesn't seem like that's going to be the thing for him. He's ready to go right now. He's been practicing in training camp, should be playing in preseason, and should be there for the regular season tip-off. So it's going to be good having that sort of depth at the point guard spot. Another one of those point guards who we don't have a good read on where his actual position is right now, um, but we know he can play a lot of positions. It's Josh Giddy. 
sixth overall pick, had that summer league stint that lasted all of like five minutes. Now, out of those five minutes, was he healthy for more than one minute? No, not really. Uh, but he just kind of fought through the pain there and... <laughs> You know, it got to the point where this dude had a grapefruit on his ankle and he wanted to play in some of the games. Like, no. So he wasn't able to play, um, but the ankle is good to go. He said the ankle is good, back to normal. It was frustrating. I was looking forward to playing in the summer league, but the medical team and me took the right steps. We made the right decision not going back out there. And it was a great decision since he should be ready to go and when it comes to his journey it's different than others I mean when it comes to what the Thunder have done the last couple seasons they like going the non-traditional route they want to get guys overseas they want to get people who are in prep school for example and they want to get guys playing in the NBL they took a flyer on Giddy he wasn't a traditional guy like with the Ignite in college he was out there in Australia got that rookie of the year award And when it comes to making that jump to the NBA, he said that he is up to the challenge. He says the season is coming really fast. I'm trying to take it day by day. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited for it. We have a young team. The leadership has been good. In practice, I'm in the weight room with the offense, learning the system. They've been really good for me. And when it comes to learning the system, just being with the offense, he mentioned SGA, said he was excited to work next to him there's an adjustment period that he talked about because SGA and Giddy are both ball handlers but he thinks they're going to be able to work in unison at some point and he threw out off-ball skills as an, an improvement of his that probably will come along the way and when he initially got drafted and I think it's still something that we're going to be talking about uh, is just the off-ball skills with him because he's not the most prestigious like catch and shoot guy just in general from three he'll have to figure that out and SGA just knowing how good he is at attacking the basket he's gonna hit Giddy a lot wide open from the wing or the corner if he's taking those shots I'm happy I don't care what the end result is as long as he's just jacking the shots off it is a win in my book so I'm happy for it uh he said he's happy to be in Oklahoma City, said, this is a dream. We always used to joke about this a year ago. Imagine I end up in Oklahoma with Hannah down the road. It's a perfect situation for us. We are all already here. It's perfect for the family. And if you guys didn't know, with Josh Giddy, his sister plays at Oral Roberts. That's in Tulsa. So it's like a 90-minute drive. He'll probably be out there. So if you guys want to see Josh Giddy and you can't get into some of those games, maybe go the ORU route. Just get a season ticket, all the women's basketball games. You'll see Josh Giddy. Um, maybe get a cool photo with him or something like that. I, I do expect that to happen. And with Giddy, I mean, he's not only just been a guy... Um, that's been learning with the team. He's kind of made a name for himself on TikTok. We've seen videos with him and his sister, Hannah. I think he has another sister as well. But yeah, he's like a sensation. Like whenever he got drafted, he had 19K followers, I think, on TikTok. This dude's approaching 200,000. And it's just little snippets of him complaining about video games, talking about video games, just random skits. He's a really funny guy. And he's only 18. So hell, he could be in high school. Like... <laughs> He's very, very young and um, just like a Poku from last year, like he kind of fits in more age-wise with guys in next year's draft class. So you kind of get an extra edge when it comes to um, some player development here. And when it comes to Giddy, 
I mean, the age factor has never been an issue for him. He said he moved out of his house when he was 15. His family helped him settle in, and his agent has been living in Los Angeles. So the transition has not been hard. He said he hasn't done a whole lot of exploring yet uh, because of you know how busy he was. But he said there's a lot of food in Oklahoma City, and he's kind of excited to eat out there. Me personally, I don't have like a ranking of where I like to go eat in OKC. I, I know there's some really good steak places. I'd assume um, that's where he would be heading off first. But you never know. Knowing his TikTok account, he, he'll be reviewing food. Like It's a given. You'll see content of him eating steak, eating burgers. You could ask him. You could tell him where to eat, and he'd probably post something about it. He's a really funny guy. And so is Alexei Pogoshevsky. We had the fanny pack thing floating around for like a week. Brandon Rabbar tossed out, you know, what's in your fanny pack? He said he wasn't going to say. Nothing about the fanny pack in this presser. Uh, a whole lot of other stuff, though, and a whole lot of really good quotes from him because we didn't see him in Las Vegas. Now, was he in the stands? Yes. But when I say did we see him, I mean on the basketball court. He was absent from play there. There was an announcement from Presti on that one. And we got an announcement from him or a reasoning as to why on Monday. He said his summer consisted of a lot of practice and they told him not to play in summer league to work on his body. He said, we've had a great two and a half months in the weight room. I've seen improvement. And a lot of it just came down to strength. He said he, he made a lot of improvement strength wise and he cannot wait for the season to start to see where he's at. I mean, he was pretty, pretty lean. I checked the training camp roster. They list him at seven feet, 190 pounds. And that is, um, that's pretty, pretty small. Uh, however, you know, he's so lengthy, like he was still going toe to toe against front court players. The big thing comes on the defensive side though. Like if he's getting posted up, yeah, he has a ridiculous wingspan. He has some quick feet, uh, but is he going to be able to cover and is he going to play in the post proficiently? I think that's why he's just been gaining a ton of mass. And it was a good call to actually keep him out of Summer League, I believe, because if he's in Summer League, number one confidence could be an issue where we saw, like, he had that slump to begin his rookie season. It took him until February, like, middle of February, to get back to where he was. And then it took until, like, March or April until he was flourishing again. So that's the aspect. But also, he did need to bulk up. Like, he is a um, little underdeveloped body-wise. But you have to keep in mind, he's 19 years old. Doesn't turn 20 until, like, the last week of the year. So he's young, and this is not just a one-year process. It's going to be the same talk for probably the next three years. How's your body? How's your body? We hope that he'll be able to fill in and be a legit front court guy just strength wise. If not though, I mean, he is just an offensive mastermind. He can do a lot of different things uh, with his body type. He said he's had a lot of meals during the day. I heard a snippet or I saw a snippet that said like 10 meals a day. We're going to need some content. The social media team for the Thunder they should have done this, but just a day in the life with Poku, just checking the meal plan, seeing if he has a professional chef. I know one of the longstanding jokes is like Josh Smith's personal chef. You do that with Alexei Pogusevsky because I would believe um, that he has one. Um, but moving on from one youngster to another, 
there's Jeremiah Robinson Earl, and he made one of the smoother transitions from college ball to summer league. He ended up leading the team with 12 points, 7.4 rebounds, and then 1.8 assists in those five games, and uh, he was really happy about the experience. He said it was a great one just to get his feet wet, but also when it came to transitioning. He said the Thunder staff and players have done a great job of making the transition easier. And one of the transitions um, from college I didn't expect was the three ball for him. Like he was shooting sub 30% last year at Villanova, uh, Villanova from distance, but he got it up. I mean, he was shooting mid thirties from out there. And he said he was working a lot on shooting and just getting used to the NBA level three. So if he can get that solidified into his game, you have another Isaiah Roby, just three years younger and a lot more of that contract to work with. And even though he's young, I mean, he actually already has made uh, a little bit of history here with the Thunder. He's the first ever number 50 in franchise history. And there's actually a deeper meaning behind why he chose that. It's because his dad wore number 50. Now, he got hurt in college, so he was not able to uh, get to the NBA, but he wanted to honor his father by picking number 50. And he said, you know, now his father can kind of live through him a little bit. So that's a nice uh, little tip of the cap to his dad there. Going beyond uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, we have another guy in Vit Kredge who has been on the roster. I don't know if you want to say officially been on the roster for a season, but now we know. I mean, he's on that four-year deal, kind of just a rookie-scale contract, but they got him in the 2020 draft, pick number 37, had to trade up to get the six foot eight guard. And with him, the big thing was the ACL injury. And I don't know if the ACL put him into that 2020 draft. I don't know if he was planning on playing a full season with Zaragoza, but it got cut short to the point that he could actually enter. So he did do that. That's where he got swooped up there. But with it, he didn't play for the Thunder and he's still kind of in and out of practices. Like he wasn't practicing, I think for day one, uh, just due to the ACL. And it's just been a long, long process. This week has actually been the one year anniversary of that injury. So he was thinking about that, but he said it was really good to be back. And he's been dreaming of being on the court with this team. And he said with that extended time out, He's become good friends with Poku. They live close to each other, so I guess they've been hanging out. But also Gabrielle Deck has been a guy um, that he's grown a a friendship with. And with Krejci here, he kind of hits that sweet spot for me. When he got drafted and when I looked at his profile, he just seems so, so fun. I don't know where he fills in because he's 6'8". I don't know if he has to be that on-ball guy. I think you could play him off the ball and he'd be awesome. I think he's a blue player, though, to begin the season. And that makes that team one to look out for. They don't have Moses Brown. They don't have Yurt 7. However, if they bring back Rob Edwards, if they have guys like Vit Kredge out there, that's enough for me to watch. I'm going to watch regardless. Um, but those two, and then you have the two two-way guys and Aaron Wiggins and Paul Watson Jr., should be a kind of good quartet there if they are all going to play for the blue. Going beyond those guys, though, we're going to go to one of Krejci's friends in Gabrielle Deck. And with Deck, 
he actually wasn't in the presser for the official media. He kicked off coverage for Nick Gallo and Paris Lawson's uh, interviews, and that was the one that was streamed on NBA.com. They didn't have the Zoom pressers online, which does stink a little bit, um, but that's why I'm giving them to you guys right now. But when Deck was there, he had a translator. He didn't really know English last year, so... Uh, you know, it's hard to learn a new language. I'm not going to be able to learn a new language in three months. So he's been working on it, but he had the translator there and there were a couple questions thrown his way. Uh, he said that he was really, really happy that he was able to experience the last 10 games of the season. And he said he's looking forward to another season with the Thunder. And one of the things with Deck and just his overall offseason was there was just a lot of back and forth because he was on Argentina's national team Played pretty well at the Olympics, uh, but through that, you had reports one week where he was going to FC Barcelona or Real Madrid, whatever team, like just going back to Liga ACB play, and then the next week, you'd hear that that was not true, and there were multiple different times where deck going elsewhere was thrown out there, and it actually was a snowball effect to where people genuinely believe that he was gone. He dispelled that. He signed that contract, or I guess he just stuck around. So his contract is guaranteed now. But he said that that was never uh, really part of the equation and that he wanted to stay with the Thunder. So at 26, he'll be fun to play. I mean, he doesn't really fit the type of just like super energetic, like pace wise, but the passing makes him super fun. Hopefully that shot might've got a little bit quicker or he can just be a little bit better in the catch and shoot game because he kind of was slumping down in that category. Seemed to be a good guy though with Real Madrid last season. Going to another guy who had his roots in Europe, Teo Maladon went after him and just like Baisley, he looked a lot bigger entering this press conference and all the pictures floating around with Teo, like even for summer league, you could tell he just looks huge and he's only 20 years old. So you have to keep that in mind. Um, he's going to be jacked by 22, 23 years old. And he's had a lot of reps to where you're not even going to think he's 20. You're going to think he's 27, 28 years old. He led the team in minutes last season. And he said that that opportunity was really beneficial towards his development. Uh, but on top of that too, I mean, he just talked about ball handling within the team, just like Mark Dagnalt did, saying it was a great thing that everyone is so good at distributing the basketball. But he actually took a different perspective or he mentioned something that I think we all know. They have so many guards on this roster. When you count them out, you can get to 10 if you want to. If you want to nitpick, you can elevate it past 10. But he said that th there's going to be competition there. It's just bound to happen. He thinks it's a healthy practice to have those kind of battles for minutes. So I would think that role of his, of leading the team in minutes is gone. Probably knows that. It was kind of just due to SGA being out, but he still could have a pretty solid uh, spot in the Thunder roster. One of those guys he'll be fighting with for minutes is Trey Mann. He went right after him. And he went out there and just talked about his game for a little bit, said he's a very versatile player and that he can play either on the ball or off the ball and that he can score and make plays for his teammates. But ultimately, it comes down to whatever coach wants me to do. He thinks he can do both, um, whether on or off the ball. Uh, but yeah, that was kind of just the gist of things there. And we kind of know that his game is 
a little bit of everything. With Florida, we got a really good look at his perimeter game and just the development from him because he came in as a 19-year-old freshman, was not getting a ton of minutes, averaged like 5-6 a game, led the Gators last year in scoring and shot 40% from distance on a good amount of attempts. He has a really good step-back jumper, a lot of penetration game from him as well. He's excellent when it comes to push shots and floaters. And in summer league, you didn't see a lot of the three-point shots. Like, he, he didn't make one that I remember. And even inside, like, the field goal percentage was a bit wonky. However, he wanted to just drive in on everybody, absorb some hits, and I think that was uh, a really good experience for him to get those shots in. And, you know, there's going to be good penetration game from him. I've drawn the comparison uh, on how he plays to what we've seen from SGA. Trey Mann has talked about how much quicker SGA um, is like live than maybe watching him on TV. I can tell you right now, live TV or in person, Trey Mann is like the flash. He can get around very quickly. So you set a high ball screen for him. He could uh, pose some serious problems for a defense. So I'm excited to kind of watch and see how he grows for his rookie season. Same goes with another rookie. And Aaron Wiggins, pick number 55, got that first two-way contract from the roster. And he says he kind of knows what he's getting into. He said, in terms of knowing what to expect, to a certain degree, I have an idea, but I'm excited to go through it. Does that, I don't, I don't know. Like, that was one of those quotes where he says he knows what to expect to a certain degree. Does that mean he's getting his contract upgraded? Does that just mean, like, he'll be going in between both franchises like I don't know man I don't want to read too much uh, into it like I said but for reference the Thunder have been one of the best like resting spots for G League guys and they don't even need to be on legit two-way contracts but if you want to go that way think of Moses Brown, Lou Dort, Deontay Burton they've all been in and out of there, Omer Yurt 7, Chase on Randall from last season, Jalen Horde got his time with the Thunder so they're good when it comes to just fostering some of the younger guys uh, around the G League system. And I think Aaron Wiggins could do that because he was very good for the Thunder's Summer League. And from the Summer League, he's uh, kind of got that confidence. And he says that now he's really ready for the next stage of his career. He said, I've been continuing to learn, taking uh, from Summer League what we learned about the way the Thunder play, carried it on and taken it into the last two months, so I'm prepared and ready. I'll have the opportunity to get better and play with a group of guys. I'm super excited. And to cap it with the two-way guys, Paul Watson Jr. was up next, and he also had some comments on his two-way contract. He said, I try to not look at it as being a two-way. I just look at it as another opportunity, another shot in the league. I look forward to what's ahead. Prepping for the Thunder was about getting my body right and letting my agent handle those things outside of that. I worked out a lot with these guys, learning from the environment. I really enjoyed it, and we were able to get something done. Paul Watson, he's a little bit older when it comes to two-way contracts. I think he's 26 years old now, but he is a lethal, lethal shooter. He shot 46.9% from three last year with the Raptors, and it wasn't like he barely played. Like He was out there a decent amount um, getting those shots up, and he mentioned that his sharpshooting ability is a big reason why he's to this point in his career. He said, it's the biggest thing that's gotten me into the league. That confidence comes from repetition, staying focused, and staying consistent to that craft. 
you can always have three-point shooters on this team. And the Thunder, they're going after three-point shooters. Um, One thing I'll say, and I don't think it's as big of an issue now, but they kind of reach and just like trick themselves into thinking they can make a non-shooter into a shooter after a couple seasons. And it happens, um, but you want to be able to get certified shooters in if possible. And Paul Watson Jr. is going to be able to shoot it. So if you need a bench guy who can hit jumpers, Paul Watson does that. I'm a little confused how he didn't get a minimum contract because he was pretty solid for the Raptors last year. But the Thunder have him in a really good spot because they're paying him, what, like 500 k And he can play 50 NBA games. So it, it's kind of just having an extra body on that 15-man unit. And Paul Watson is one of the better guys to not get one of those standard contracts over the offseason and he doesn't really seem uh too hurt about not being with like the thunder straight up he uh he actually likes the aspect of being with the blue because they are right next to each other in fact they're playing in the same arena they're in the paycom center this year so there might be some back-to-back tickets uh that you could find i think there's 15 different dates where there's going to be the blue in the morning and then the thunder closing things out in the afternoon Going to a guy who's had some brief stints in the G League is Isaiah Roby, and this was the man to cap things off for day number one. He mentioned, uh, to begin his conference, stuff that kind of came out uh, of a couple weeks ago, and this was the OU Nebraska game, and he was in one of the suites. Clay Bennett got it out for some of the guys, and he showed up with just full Cornhuskers gear. If you didn't know, that's where Roby went to school and college. He actually graduated there over the summer. And um, yeah, I mean, being in Norman with anything other than just red and white, you're going to get in some trouble. So, you know, Nebraska, they can cut it. They got the same color scheme, but you can kind of tell what's uh, OU red and what's not. So he got in there, you know, a little bit of chirping, a little bit of tension in the suite, as he mentioned. OU got the win, though, so they couldn't be too mad at Roby. was an exciting contest, though, so I guess everybody could come out of that a little bit happier. Uh, But going back to just him as a player, he talked a lot about last season, and last season was the one where you had Al Horford as the starting center, but who was behind him? Moses Brown wasn't getting minutes until the G League stint. Mike Muscala, he wasn't always out there. They wanted to play Isaiah Roby, and they started him out at the center spot and he really just broke down playing at the five both from a tape perspective but also kind of just what it was like and what his teammates were telling him during that process and he started out um kind of complimenting SGA that's that was a trend really of Monday but he said um whenever Roby initially got that uh, starting gig SJ approached him and said you earn this starting position we believe in you you have everything to gain and nothing to lose. And then on Roby's side of playing at center, he said that teams saw me as a guy who took open shots and when a center closed out on me, I drove on him hard. He said that teams adjusted to his play throughout the season and that he's just broken down a lot of tape over uh, the couple of months to kind of figure out where he needs to improve upon. And honestly, that's exactly what happened. I mean, Roby, that was his job, and I don't really see any other way of it working. Like, if he's wide open from three, he's going to take the three, of course, and then he's a lot faster than your common center, so he'd be blowing right by you. I don't see anything wrong with that. Maybe 
you know, he's thinking about, should I made it this, this pass? Should I have moved to another spot of the court? I don't know. Uh, he seems like a really smart guy, though, on the court and off the court. Because like I said, I mean, he got his degree from Nebraska, and he had to do it while playing in the NBA. And I'm assuming he actually did this not just for this season, but maybe even last season, too, uh, when he was dealing with injuries and such with the Legends uh, before getting traded to Oklahoma City for Justin Patton. But he said that a lot of it was just a balancing act, juggling between schoolwork and games. The plane kind of became his safe haven when it came to just doing work. So big ups to him for being able to multitask like that. I don't understand how someone can do that. I know the student athlete life is a pain, professional athlete life um, with college work. Yeah, you got to be dedicated in multiple different areas. So good for him. Uh, When it comes to what we're going to see for the regular season, he said that he kind of describes himself as a point center and that a lot of different situations will come up for him. But that was the rundown there. Like I said, everybody outside of those three, the two guys on training camp deals, and then you had Mamadi Daikite, who we'll hear from him in a little bit. But it was a very fun meet today. Got up to three hours of coverage there. I just kind of picked out my favorites and got that down to, what, an hour there? So it was a really good time. Uh, There's interviews every single day during training camp. There's some quotes that I've pulled that'll probably get you guys uh, in a day or so. Like I said, I got to figure out the schedule. Please bear with me. I'm so sorry for it. Like I have been pretty frustrated with myself not getting content out more, but I'm really striving to um, get up to levels I was doing last season. But right now, you know, two, three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday is kind of what I've been trying to do. Uh, it's a Thursday now though. So it's like, am I, I I don't know. Um, but yeah, if you guys have any suggestions for me when it comes to coverage, you guys can hit me up on my personal Twitter, or you can go to the pods at thunderstick pod. But other than that though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's episode. I thank you all for listening and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.